Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day, for your word, and for your presence in this space. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the text for today is one of the most anticlimactic texts in the whole New Testament. Truly, there is such a huge setup only to end in what I can describe as the scriptural representation of the air being let out of a balloon. And that balloon image, I feel is appropriate because what is described today in this text is a celebration. You see, at this point in Mark, Jesus has been traveling all around, preaching and teaching about God's kingdom, healing the sick and the blind, making friends with people he probably shouldn't have if he wanted to keep the religious political powers happy. Jesus has also been dropping pretty huge hints on the regular to the disciples about his death and the looming journey to Jerusalem, that journey which is now here. Scholars often describe uh, this story as Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It is so important that it appears in all four of the gospel accounts. In the Mark version that we read today, Jesus is approaching Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And while the group is still a bit outside of the city, Jesus sends two disciples ahead into the town in front of them to get a colt that has never been ridden, which they would find outside a door in the street. He told them when they would go get this colt that they would be asked, hey, what are you doing with that colt? A reasonable question since the colt wasn't actually theirs to take, but Jesus told them to respond, the Lord needs it and he'll give it right back. So the disciples went ahead and they found the colt exactly as Jesus had said. And when they brought the colt back to Jesus, he sat upon it and rode it into Jerusalem. And when he was entering the city, crowds gathered celebrating him as he processed, as he finally arrived. They threw palm branches and their coats down on the road before him. People began following him and running ahead as he processed, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. And here is where everything starts to turn toward the unexpected. This crowd of people had been shouting and celebrating that finally Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem. And once he enters the temple, that ancestral place of power and righteousness that is so intricately tied to the history of God's people, he looks around a bit and then calls it a day. <laughs> what a letdown. In order to really understand what a disappointment this little sliver of text embodies, I invite you to dig a little deeper with me. Just before Jesus enters into the city, he heals a blind man begging in the streets named Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus, when he hears people say that Jesus is passing by, he shouts out to Jesus, Son of David, Son of David. He's the first person in the Gospel of Mark to call Jesus this, to declare unquestioningly Jesus' claim to the line of King David, the line that is prophesied that the Messiah comes from. Bartimaeus is calling Jesus the Messiah, the liberator of God's people from the oppressive forces that hold them captive. Then, in our text today, Jesus does a couple of very powerful things. First, Jesus calls himself Lord for the very first time. A statement, to be sure. Almost as if he's accepting this role that everyone keeps placing him in, the role of king and liberator. Next, Jesus makes the entrance of the age. He rides into Jerusalem triumphantly, humble, and riding on a colt, drawing up images from the prophet Zechariah, who said that God would raise up a king who will lead the people to peace and victory over their enemies. I can just imagine the excitement of the disciples as they do this, as they do what Jesus said. They know what kind of statement that he's making. They know the symbolism that he's using in this moment as he rides down the streets. Their expectation and their energy is almost palpable as they walk with Jesus down the streets of the city while everyone is shouting out in celebration, Hosanna, save us, the kingdom of David is coming. It appears that Jesus is finally filling that role of liberator, of king, the one who will lead God's people in shaking off the shackles of oppression from the Roman government whose military forces occupy their holy city. And when tradition and history would normally have such a triumphant processional end at the temple with some kind of sacrifice or tribute or declaration, instead it ends abruptly with a fizzle of disappointment and unreleased tension. Jesus did not do what they thought he would do. Instead, he did something completely unexpected. I wonder if Jesus saw the disappointment in the eyes of the disciples when he wandered around and decided to head out for the day. Nothing exceptional or miraculous happened. There was only that unbridled disappointment. As a people, as humanity living in this imperfect world that we're in, we are quite familiar with disappointments. We know that this world loves to make promises and that not live up to those promises. We know the feeling of being let down by friends and family, resulting in broken relationships. We know the feeling of governments not living up to their promises of justice equity, and liberation. We've had our expectations of returning to in-person worship pushed back and pushed back until over a year later, we're finally going to be reunited, at least in part. But I remember with every new update from the CDC or local governments or church leadership, a glimmer of hope would come 
and then flutter away as the ever-evolving nature of a pandemic settled into our spirits and our lives. We've been waiting and waiting. The people of Israel had been waiting and waiting for God to deliver them. Like the disciples in the texts, we are well acquainted with disappointment. We know that feeling of a pit in our stomach, the bubbling anxiety that lingers in our cores as we watch whatever expectations we had dissolve before our eyes. And in that moment, when Jesus turned and left the temple, I really do believe that the disciples felt that disappointment, those broken expectations. And the disappointment didn't really stop there. There was a back and forth, a rising and falling of expectations that happened all the way to the cross. There was every opportunity for Jesus to intervene, to exercise his power, to claim that earthly kingdom they wanted him to claim. But he didn't claim it. And he died. He died the death of a criminal and an insurrectionist. He did nothing wrong, and he died. But then what happened? I ask again, church, then what happened? Jesus didn't allow those earthly powers to have the last word. He didn't allow death to be the end. No, he walked out of that tomb. He walked out of the tomb and showed us all that his kingdom is not an earthly one, but a heavenly one, a kingdom of God where there is healing, community, wholeness, and life, a kingdom that is near, dear church, one that calls to us today, one that is inviting us to celebrate its arrival to wave our palms and shout Hosanna as the kingdom of God approaches. At the end of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the disciples, they found themselves holding disappointment because they were clinging to their human expectations of what God and Jesus would do on this divine precipice. But we are blessed with the hindsight to know that death did not have the last word, and God did indeed do something amazing. And in that knowledge, we can celebrate the coming of God's kingdom. God took those dashed and worldly expectations of the disciples and transformed them in the resurrection. God took sorrow and turned it into celebration, turned mourning into dancing. And that transformation continues for us today. We can shout and wave our palm branches. Though the road behind us was hard and the road in front of us is uncertain as we adjust to in-person worship and all that it holds for us and the challenges that it will present. The reality and hope of being together is in our future. That transformative work of God is happening. Today, on this Palm Sunday, God asks us to set aside our worldly expectations and invites us into the hope 
of transformation that comes with the fulfillment of divine expectation. We may not know what awaits us in our future or what challenges may come our way, but we are invited to put trust in God, to have faith that what awaits us is the coming of God's kingdom. Though in this text, we might be left lingering in disappointment with the disciples, God assures us in the resurrection of Christ that we shall not remain in that disappointment. Like the disciples on that day when Jesus finally entered into Jerusalem, today we are celebrating the coming of God's kingdom, the coming of the reign of God that is both near and here already. A kingdom where death, suffering, injustice, and hopelessness do not have the last word. We are blessed with the knowledge that though the road ahead of us is always uncertain, though we are facing the cross with Jesus as we move through this holy week, we can have hope in God if we set aside our expectations and have faith. Amen.